0: There aren't many sounds in Southern California more frightening than a wildfire, and we've been hearing them way too often, in a fire season that doesn't seem like a season at all anymore, but a year-round event. There are so many that we have to give them names to distinguish them. The sand fire, the chimney fire, the fish fire. Humans start almost all of the wildfires in California, but only 5% of those are bona fide criminal arson. Ed Nordskog has studied thousands of incidents all across the country, He's a detective and arson investigator with the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Office, the author of the book The Arsonist Profiles, and he's been testifying recently in the case of Harry Burkhardt, a German-born arsonist who was just convicted of setting dozens of fires around Los Angeles over a single holiday weekend. Why would somebody start a fire?
1: the most common reason for arson is revenge and and somebody's very mad at somebody else they might be mad at another person mad at an institution like a school or the government or just mad at their circumstances in life Uh, i'm in court right now on the hollywood serial arsonist case from new year's 2011 to 2012 and uh A German national named Harry Burkhart lit 52 fires in three nights. In the Hollywood, West Hollywood and Valley area, nobody in U.S. history has done something like that. And his underlying reason, he was angry. And he said it, he's he's told people that, that he was angry that his mother was being shipped out of the country. The
0: defendant, Harry Burkhart wanted America to burn. He was angry with America because his mother had been arrested and was in custody. Uh, of the United States being held for extradition to Germany. In the case of the Clayton fire in Northern California, there was a man who was arrested. He'd been watched for a year. This, this is a fire that burned homes, that burned thousands and thousands of acres. It turns out he'd been an inmate firefighter.
1: You're in case 943904 with 19 charges. Counts 1 through 15 or 12 person charges. His case is pretty standard, somebody with a long history of drug abuse, um, sort of down and out in life right now, uh, semi-homeless. And he was a suspect in multiple fires going back over a year.
0: How does an arson investigator like you go about looking across this vast acreage that looks like the surface of the moon charred to pieces to the rest of us and figure out where the fire started and how it started?
1: Wildland fires are extraordinarily difficult there's a lot of science um, and weather involved. If we know in the area where the fire started what the direction of the wind is and how strong the wind is, um, it points us like, a, like a, a slab of pie. or The fire spreads at an angle out from the origin and depending on the speed of the wind and the hills, we can go backwards along that line and, and get to a, a workable, manageable scene. Then when we get to where we think the fire started, um, Now it's hard work on hands and knees with metal detectors, with binoculars staring at something three feet away from you. And believe it or not, those things will survive fires.
0: So most wildfires are caused by humans, but most of them are not started on purpose. Finding out about that can take a while to figure out.
1: I'll take, for instance, the sand fire, which went on about a month ago, a massive fire in the Santa Clarita Valley area. Um, That was along a roadside and it was on a holiday weekend, a getaway weekend, and on a slight uphill, and that's traditionally where we have roadside fires, and that's attributed to hot vehicle parts coming off. Vehicles cause the majority of fires in this state, so if you really studied wildfires, you'll see that they a lot of them occur on steep grades, the El Cajon Pass, the Newhall Pass, um, the grapevine going out of Los Angeles vehicles are laboring they're spewing out very hot pieces of metal that are 2000 degrees and most people believe that roadside fires are started by cigarettes but in most of the days of the year that's just not physically scientifically possible but a truck laboring up a mountain can start 8-10 fires or if a uh, semi truck has a flat tire and it starts on fire again a common thing in the summer it, it will start fires for 30 miles up a road. It will look like a serial arsonist is working, but in reality, it's, it's a vehicle that's having problems. So what's the profile of an arsonist? People always ask me because I'm an arson profiler, what's the profile? In serial arson alone, I've identified over 12 subtypes. So it's, there is no one subtype, one, one profile. It, each case is quite specific. The old profile uh, that the FBI released a couple of decades ago is, is just not very accurate. It was just too generic, sort of like your morning horoscope, in that arsonist was a lone white male, 18 to 34, unhappy with their life circumstances, unhappy with uh, relationships, couldn't get along with their boss.
0: That's half the people on dating sites, right? That's,
1: that's, that's half the people in my office. <laughs> and so that's not a workable profile. And I, I'm a profiler, and we don't work with something so generic as that. We study the actual event, the time of day, what was used to specifically light the fire, uh, the sophistication level. When you get to the uh, specifics of a case, now you can start eliminating uh, the people. When you get a fire assigned to you as an arson investigator, you know you didn't light it, and you're pretty sure your partner didn't light it, and maybe the fire chief didn't do it, so now you've whittled down three suspects. But your whole goal is to get that 35 million people down to a manageable level. And if they're using a device of any sorts that has some sophistication, now you're talking just a couple hundred people in the state could do something like that. And that's really how profiling should work.
0: There's also arson for profit. You've investigated those cases. It seems like it's so easy to get caught. Well, you have a lot of insurance and mysteriously a fire started in your building.
1: The arson for profit scheme is the hardest one to prove for investigators because it's something that somebody thought about for days, weeks, or months ahead of time. Um, despite revenge arson's the easiest one to prove. People thought about it for three seconds ahead of time and they didn't plan it well. But a business owner that's going to torch his business, he knows that the police and fire departments will look at him. And so this is planned. There's alibis made up. It's almost comical after a while if a business owner happens to be in Las Vegas or Disneyland when his business catches fire, he probably set the fire. That the owner has an alibi where he can be seen on camera. Now, if they've planned an alibi, of course, we know that they used a surrogate to set the fire. And so now you have your criminal conspiracy.
0: One of the most notorious and probably disturbing from law enforcement's point of view, the arsonists in Southern California was John Orr, who was a fire investigator himself, who turned out to be the man setting the fires, fatal fires in one case.
1: Yes, John Orr is a rock star in the arson world. John Orr is the most famous um, because he is an arson investigator. He was a lecturer on serial arsonists. He was with the Fire Glendale Department. Uh, Fire Department. But he was convicted of four different series. And that those series uh, totaled about 80 fires. But really, he was a strong suspect in 1,200 fires. And, of course, he killed four people with his fires. John Orr was unique. It's sort of like a, homi- a famous homicide detective becoming a serial killer. It's just it's like right out of the movies. The guys that know who John Orr is and really studied him believe that he created himself because he read a lot of crime noir uh, from the 40s and 50s and he is a, uh, a true excitement-based serial arsonist and a hero-based serial arsonist um, and a revenge-based. He covers all gamuts of serial arson. But uh, he's always claimed to be an expert arson investigator and he's not.
0: Is there a sexual element for arsonists too? I think of Nero, fiddling and maybe fiddling with something else while Rome burned.
1: Sigmund Freud first brought that out um, publicly, but his Freud's studies were quite flawed because he studied six people, so it's a really small study, uh, um, and it was perpetuated by people who believe uh, Freud. And um, no, there's very few cases of an actual uh, sexual component to serial arson, which is why arson investigators nowadays do not use the term pyromania. There are people that do have problems with fires, but it's, they control it. It's a very impulsive crime as, as opposed to a compulsive crime.
0: I've read of cases where firefighters start fires themselves.
1: There are many, many cases where firefighters have lit fires um, to create work. It's a seasonal job in many parts of the United States and Canada. And in all aspects, there have been some rare cases, um, but they're continuous, of people involved in firefighting that set fires for for money, you know, f- to to get work. There's a very famous case about 20 years ago now in Mount Shasta, California. She was a woman in her 60s who lit fires so her son, the firefighter, wouldn't get laid off. He was a seasonal firefighter, and uh, she she was convicted of five fires in, on Mount Shasta in the wildlands and she was filmed lighting one of them uh, by investigators.
0: Is there one that broke your heart?
1: There's a lot of them. Um, the, ones we, the ones we have uh, the hardest issues with are, of course, the fatal fires with children involved. And a, a lot of fatal fires with children involved are actually set by the children themselves, usually playing with matches. And usually, in those cases, there's a documented history in the home of the family knowing that the children have dabbled in fireplace. And when we see uh, families that have lost people in fires and they tell us, well, our son for the past six months has been playing with fire, that's a problem that should have been dealt with. Um, We don't do a good job in this country, in North America at all, at treating uh, children fire setters. It's it's a very complicated thing that should be left to professional um, counselors. And quite often in this country, they turn it over to firefighters. A lot of cases, there's deep underlying reasons, abuse, uh, family issues. A lot of people don't want to hang an arson arrest over an 8-year-old kid, and I totally understand that. But if that's the third fire by that that kid, he's going to kill himself and his family next, sooner or later, if he's not treated.
0: I was trying to think of what might be your favorite job-related movie, and I was thinking of the Jack Lemmon movie, Save the Tiger, about a businessman who orders a fire at his downtown L.A. business, insurance fire. Arson,
1: Harry, arson. This is a major felony. You're talking about all
0: It is the same accommodation. We made missiles. Congress has sent us a certified check. We happened to make dresses.
1: The original backdraft, which, of course, is the holy grail for firemen, and I'm not a fireman, but um, the Robert De Niro character in that was an arson investigator, and I, I thought he was an, did an outstanding job. He's right. He's a resident Holcomb is a third victim. Backdraft was set up somewhere in there. Tried Holcomb when he opened the inner door, but the outer door held on and waited for Tim. It's very technically different than any other criminal investigation. You're a part cop, you're a part fireman, and I thought De Niro pulled it off quite well, and, and I was surprised that they didn't take that part and make it do some sort of TV movie thing with that.
0: One of the most controversial was a case in Texas, I'm sure you know about, Cameron Todd Willingham, who was convicted of setting a fire that killed his children, was executed on death row. And there's, afterwards, there was so much controversy about the competence of the fire investigator and the techniques he used.
1: The Willingham cases obviously rocked the arson industry. It's not the only one. There's many, many cases that were egregious. Uh, egregiously done states innocence projects have attacked a lot of arson cases I'm dealing with one right now from 30 years ago and uh, sometimes they make great points other times not so much the arson industry was turned on its head 25 years ago when uh, fire scientists got involved and realized that a lot of what arson investigators believed and were taught was absolutely wrong scientifically not correct and the scientists have come a long way of fixing that part of the industry. There's still mistakes made. It's a very technical technical job. We have issues. Uh, we've minimized a lot of them. Um, but the fire, the, the fire investigation industry has gone under a lot of scrutiny as well it should. They were wrong for a hundred years on, on some pretty serious cases and uh, most of that's been fixed, uh, but there's been a lot of growing pains with that.
0: What do you think of the Willingham case? He was executed 12 years ago.
1: Well, uh, they've said that the science to convict him on the arson portion of his case is flawed, and I agree with that. People believe that he's actually uh, was was found innocent after he was executed, and that's not true. He has never been found innocent, and there's a lot of stuff besides the fire science uh, that they relied upon. I don't have a stake in that one, but it has caused massive debate in my business that rages till this day.
0: Detective Ed Nordskog, thank you so much for being here.
1: Thanks, Pat. It's a pleasure.
0: Pat Morrison Asks is produced for the Los Angeles Times by Pat Morrison. It's edited and engineered by Todd G. Levin. The audio moments are from HQSFX, from Los Angeles station CBS2, from San Francisco station KTVU from the Universal Pictures film Backdraft and the Paramount Pictures film Save the Tiger. The music you're hearing now is the Prodigy's Firestarter. I am Pat Morrison.